0: Hey, what's up? This is Johnny McBee, and you're listening to the Burn This World Podcast. And we're back. How are y'all doing? I just got back like three days ago from tour, the first tour that I've done in three years. And um, yeah, I've just kind of been gathering my thoughts and kind of... uh, Figuring out how I feel about everything. (laughs) I had a lot of expectations going into the tour, and some of them were surpassed, and some of them were uh, more interesting of realizations. And so, yeah, it's kind of what I'm going to talk about today and talk about just how it was and how everything was and my current thoughts on everything. Um, And so, yeah, let's just get into that. And first, I'm going to start with. Uh, the just the logistics, just the turnouts, the uh, everything, it was really good. Like better than expected, the turnouts were. We even had a couple sold out shows, and that's crazy for the Browning in the states. We've we've never really had sold out shows in the states before. Even Kansas City was sold out on presale, which is awesome. That means they didn't even they wouldn't even let anyone through the doors. I had <laughs> friends and. Long-time fans hit me up like, yo, I didn't figure this would be sold out, so can you get me in? <laughs> and so the, it's a good feeling to know that people are coming out and supporting, and that people are really still all ready to freaking jam. And one crazy thing that I was not expecting at all was every day on stage, I, would, I was saying, like, who's ever seen the Browning before? And... It was a lot of new people at these shows and a lot of the people I was talking to at the shows just found out about the Browning, uh, during COVID, like from end of existence, there was a ton of new fans at the shows that, that was freaking mind blowing to me because to me, the purpose of this tour was to get out and give the old fans that have stuck around Something, you know, just be there, interact, give them a live thing, be active, like all that was not expecting there to be a bunch of new fans there. I mean, I guess I was used to new fans kind of trickling their way in to tours as we toured so much before. Never did I have it to where there was a three year break of gaining new fans and then boom, they all come to the first show that we have, you know? So I guess it was just three years of accumulating new people that were stoked, and then them, this is the first time they got to come out. So like, that was crazy to me. It was That was completely unexpected, and that was one reason that the shows did so well, because it was just a lot of new people over the course of the past three years that were so excited to see the Browning. Um And, like, really, the shows were... The energy was just crazy. We played, like, nine songs off the new record. And, um, like, it was, like, six old songs or something. And so it was a lot of new stuff. Um, And the crowd was just popping off. And the new songs were really fun live. It was kind of hard to get used to. The old ones were super comfortable. And I was just kind of getting my footing on the new stuff because, I don't know, some of these songs we've been playing for freaking 10 years or eight years, seven years, whatever. And so I'm kind of like second nature just in, in the songs. Like I, I know the timing, I know when to talk to the crowd. So a lot of the new songs, I was kind of really having to kind of figure out what I would say when. And I felt like, well, cause it was only a 10 day tour, right? Whenever it was ending, I was like, I'm starting to get it, you know? <laughs> and so sucks that it was so short, but also, um, man, if we were doing a month of it, I think I would have been, I would have been not happy. <laughs> I mean, it was very comfortable and everything, but you know, it's, I'm so accustomed to, you know, being around my family and, uh, having relaxing times and everything. And tour is just go, 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 go. Like it seriously is. And I've been so used to it forever. Um, that cause I've been torn since I was freaking 18. So uh, the past three years is the first time that I've sat around and so being back out and just being like go 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 was hardcore and so um it was pretty it was kind of was kind of brutal but with that being said um also logistics wise because you know turnouts were great we were being paid more than we'd ever been paid we were selling a ton of merch consistently so everything was good as far as all that so no complaints there, um, but the costs was a lot more um, for a few reasons. Uh, like the rental van that we normally rent was, uh, normally we'd rent it for about $90 a day, right? And they just didn't have any of them available. I think that they might have sold a lot of their fleet during COVID. And so the only thing that was available was like a Mercedes Sprinter that was like 330 a day. Um, and it was diesel and right now diesel is like over $5 a gallon average. (laughs) And, uh, then I was also paying everyone like usually the Browning would split, uh, like a percentage at the end, right? Like that's how I would pay everyone out. I would figure out the profit and then I would just pay everyone based off of that. Right. Well, on this, I just wanted everyone that was coming to just be like, this is exactly how much you're going to make. Um, and I know that it can fit into budget. Right. And so I was just paying everyone every day, uh, like a good amount. And, um, then I also didn't really want to worry about roughing it like hard, like we normally would like no hotels, sleeping in van, all that, because my, like I said, my concern with this tour was not to make bank. Like you're not going to make bank on a 10 day tour. You know, my goal is to have fun, interact with fans, be active again, feel it out and just have a good time. So we were also doing hotels every single day, two hotel rooms so that everyone had a bed to sleep in. Because a lot of times we would do one hotel room and it'd be like two people sleeping in the van or something, you know? And, uh, unfortunately for me, (laughs) I still slept in the van a lot because I was too sketched out to just, you know, some of the hotels I was like, "Eh, I don't know. I don't really want to just leave the van out here. So I was still sleeping in the van, but I'll rough it. I don't want the people on the touring party to rough it as well, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, so we were doing two hotel rooms every day. Had a van that was three hundred and thirty dollars a day, plus uh, a trailer that was ends up being about twenty five dollars a day, plus a drum set that was thirty dollars a day, plus everyone's pay undisclosed because uh, you know I ain't gonna do that. Um, And uh, then also gas that was over $5 a gallon the whole tour. Um, And the thing about the van rentals too is you get an allotted amount of miles. So whenever you get back, if you've gone over those miles, they charge you like freaking like almost 20 cents per mile that you go over. It's, it kind of sucks, but you know, they give you a decent amount of miles, but you know, there's always overage miles. So, but the, the, the expense every single day on tour, um, including people's pay, not including my pay, I didn't. I wasn't paying myself. Was about twelve hundred dollars a day, um, and like that's fine. Like that, it was covered on, um, you know, through guarantees, and it was covered through merch, obviously. Um, but like it was very, very expensive, um, and that was kind of one of the things I wanted to go out and test too. Was like how financially viable is it in the modern world and with how comfortable I want everyone to be. And, um, I, you know, I paid for all the merch up front and I probably got a little too much of some designs. We sold out of some, I had to do an an order in the middle of the run for like the past, like three, the last like three days to get stuff in, to be able to have crap to sell. Um, but honestly, I was like really not wanting to pay attention to the money side of it just while I was out there. Like it was one of the goals to figure out, but I just didn't want to be concerned and penny pinching and telling people, "Oh no, like you, you know, (laughs) the I can't give you a catering budget today," or "Oh no, no hotels because I'm trying to make money, so you're gonna have to live like crap." Like I didn't want to worry about any of that. And so, honestly, I don't, I don't think I made my money back from like my upfront expenses, but um, like a lot of the merch went to the merch company that we run on our online store went to them the overstock did so I'll make money over the course of the next quarter because I get paid out cur- quarterly for merch and so all that stuff will sell online and you know I make a really good percentage of that so I'll make money from the tour from the merch that I paid for over time so the little ad go to the browning.net slash merch and um, click on the link there. I'll take you to our fixed merch store, so you can pick up some of that overstock merch from the tour. Um, that's one way to support uh, everything that I do. Buying Browning merch, and so yeah, thebrowningnet slash merch, um, and pick up some stuff. And but so yeah, I, I don't. I I probably lost a little bit just as far as upfront cost goes, but everyone got paid good, and um, everyone had fun, and it was. You know, it was chill, really good shows. No one had to really worry about anything, and yeah, so comfortable, and so logistically, that's that's that. Like, I didn't make uh, money in that sense, but did get to be out there, interact with new fans, interact with old fans, put on a really good show. I mean, we played an hour and five minutes plus an encore. Uh, longest set the Brownings ever, like, officially played on a tour, and... Um, it was just nonstop. Like we really killed it, especially, you know, two of them had never played John and Keem, never played in the Browning before. Um, and so they were really killing it and, you know, cutting their teeth or whatever you say. And, uh, if you get on YouTube and search the Browning live in, you know, 2022 or whatever, someone uploaded a full set, uh, from the Austin date, which was a sick show. um, But that was day two of the tour. So we were all still kind of the bang over from the first show in three years. And I know Keem's going to listen to this, but he was roughing it that day. He was chilling on stage. So (laughs) if you watch that video and you see Keem just standing there, just know that he was like on the brink of death um, and destruction with how his body felt after the first show. But um, yeah, and I, you know, it sucks. A lot of times people post a lot of videos um of stuff like this and man the videos just really don't do the energy justice like of what the energy was like in that room and i actually had a lot of longtime fans um come out and say like it was the best they'd ever heard the browning sound or that my vocals was the best they'd ever heard and that's just so sick um like a, a good dude his name's ben He's, he was at the Austin show. He was like, he uploaded the very first Browning vocal cover ever. He did standing on the edge forever ago. Um, and so Ben, if you listen to this, what up? And, um, he was like, dude, the vocals are better than ever. And I'm like, well, thank God. Because that was like, I was so concerned about blowing my voice at the first show. And I was so concerned about, um, just having the stamina and everything. And, uh, I think the new songs are just so powerful um, that they just really lead themselves to be sick live. And so people was telling me it was the best of Browning it ever sounded. And like the lights looked good, everything. I was just, you know, I think we put on a good freaking show, especially for not doing anything for three years. So I'm very proud of it, but the videos don't do it uh, justice uh, really. And like um, that Austin show, there was a pit going the whole time. It was like, uh, I think Austin was like two hundred and sixty people, like that's really freaking good. Um, and so I was just I was so stoked on everything, and it was good to catch up with promoters that I know, like Skyler, in uh, Austin, and yeah, it was just it was nice being out there. So mission accomplished with that. New fans, really good show. Realize we can do it again. Money wise, I don't know. I I have to really contemplate like what's the purpose of that and that's something i was thinking about on the tour was this was um like what's the point of touring and what's the monetization in the band the majority of bands monetize on tour that's like the only way to monetize for the majority of bands and same with the browning forever the browning's never really made money outside of touring that's just how it is um but we are all older and also used to a little cushier of a life. Like we lived in a van for freaking, you know, eight years or nine years on tour. We were used to that. Now we all got money. We're comfortable. We're chilling in our houses. When we go on tour, it's not like we want to just go out there and eat freaking crap for how for a month and a half or however long the tour is like. So, um. I just, I don't know if touring is a viable monetization for how much we want to be comfortable. Uh, Just realistically, like, um, I don't realistically see the Browning, uh, the being like not being able to be paid more than what we were on this tour, but there's like certain tiers that you have to get to, to be able to get paid like quite a bit more. And, um, I just don't realistically seeing that for the Browning. So I feel like this is about if we're headlining, this is the the cap where we're at. Unless if we have some viral moment that you know really sets us up to pull in five hundred people a show, then we're then we're good. Um, and this show out this tour averaged uh, about two hundred per show, um, maybe a little more. Uh, there was there was two shows that was pretty low numbers, but that was because I guess I was being silly and I wanted to play Colorado Springs and Denver. They're like an hour apart from each other Where realistically they'll share a market. So it split the crowd in half. So those shows were a bit smaller than the rest, but, um, it was also really nice. We went to garden of the gods the day after the Colorado spring show. And so it was nice having a chill. Like again, my goal was to be chill. I wanted to show everyone a good time and everything. So, um, but yeah, about 200 people. And until we get to where we're consistently drawing, like, 400, 500 people a show, I think the the money is about where it's going to be, realistically. And also, that we can't headline forever, or those numbers will start dropping. So, monetization from a band. Can the Browning monetize in a way where um, touring is more so a bonus to what people get from the Browning elsewhere? So, if we can boost our streaming numbers a ton then we can make more money quarterly and use the touring just to make fans happy and to do that now if we want to grow touring as the main source of income then we need to be doing more support tours and we need to be building like that that physical base at these shows more Um, and then support tours bring more heads so you can get more money when you headline next time Um, but the problem with support tours we've been offered a lot of them right now but like I currently can't convince myself to go out on a two month long tour. Like really, I just, um, the pay is less when you support. And so like, we wouldn't be able to rent the nice vehicle with the two hotel rooms every day with, you know, me paying everyone a good amount. That just would not be possible. Um, because also people are like, well, more people, you'll sell more merch. Well, you're also competing with merch when you're supporting, like, um, when you're headlining, really, like you're not necessarily competing on merch, The people are gonna buy yours. If you're supporting and there's three other bands that are really good and really like bigger than you or whatever, like you're probably not gonna sell more merch. That that sort of line, to me, really goes in for bands that are a lot smaller. like if you're an opener that is just getting out there, then yeah, you need as many people in that show to sell more merch because if you headline and there's only 10 people there, you're only going to sell two shirts. But if you play with Born of Osiris and there's 500 people there, then you can sell 10 shirts. You're not going to sell a ton, but you're going to sell a ton more than if you are headlining. But the Browning's at a point where it's like we have a really diehard fan base to where if we headline to 200 people, we're going to sell a lot more merch than if we weren't headlining but playing to a thousand people like really that's just how it is so um headlining is going to be the most money that the browning can currently make um and um so i feel personally like the browning touring is to give our fans that we build online something special and um you know it's like an additive to just having this really cool music you listen to rather than using touring as the building and monetization point of the band. So that's kind of one thing that I've deduced in my brain of from doing this. It's like, what's the point and what's the goal? Um, I think we need to focus on growing online, monetizing streams, monetizing stuff like this, monetizing... uh, you know, merch, online merch, but then use the show to be like, look, we're legit. Like, this is good. You know, I mean, look at bands, not to, that it's really comparable, but look at all the big mainstay bands. Like, they don't tour a ton. And when they do tour, they're touring to their fans. Like, look at Romstein You know, no one that goes to a romstein show is there to see freaking anything else but romstein you know, and... Uh, or even like corn or you know stuff like that. it's they're playing to their fans and they are appeasing their fan base and that's kind of what I feel like the browning the point of the live show is going to be. Um, and you know we could have a viral moment. the brownings type of music is something that could have a viral song pop off. I just need to kind of focus on that a little more uh, and have that as like a goal. Um, and so have the virality make some extra money online and maybe pull a couple new heads to the live show and then perform for them. Like I just want to perform for our fans, not necessarily use touring to gain new fans. So that's kind of a big, I know I just went on a big ramble about that, but that's kind of one of the thoughts that I've gained from doing this tour. Um, and then like beyond that, like just my happiness, right? My, how I felt on the tour. Um, this was kind of the most surprising and disappointing things of it. So took three years off touring with my life before the three years. And so I assumed that whenever I'd get out there and I'd play this first show back and these shows and have people going crazy and just, I, I I thought I would have this like reinvigoration of like, wow, like this is my purpose. Like this is what I've been missing. Um, but realistically, I, right when I walked out on that stage, it was like I never left it, you know? And second nature kicked in. It was just boom, right back in, saying the same things. I had the same energy. I, uh, it was just there. I, I, it sounds terrible. And I don't mean this to like, Um, negate how awesome the shows are because they are awesome like the crowd is having such a good time and like we're having a good time on stage but it was not any more um awesome than it was before um i just found myself still on stage thinking about random crap you know like loadout or like Oh man, the show's running late, like I'm gonna be really tired and I have two hours of driving. Like as I'm on stage doing lyrics and yelling at the crowd, that's what's going through my head, you know? Um, like for whatever reason, we just had toured so much and done so much that um I'm never really like in the moment in the show, like, wow, you know. There's there's times, but and, and one thing I, I've always realized about whenever I'm performing, this this is so weird to think about and probably so weird from your guy's perspective like listening to me talk about this, but, um, whenever I'm on stage, like I'm not really looking at anything (laughs) like it's weird. I'm like, uh, I'm almost like staring, like not necessarily past the crowd, but like over people's heads, there's random moments when I'll look at someone like directly and, you know, be like, what's up, especially if it's someone that I recognize, but it's almost like I'm using my peripheral passive vision, like the entire time. Um, And I don't know why that is. Uh, I'm not really there in the sense of like, wow, like that person is, you know, some people will get my attention and whatnot, but I'm not really looking at anything, not really thinking about anything. I'm just kind of like doing it, you know, and I wish that that was different. And maybe, maybe going back out again, like the next little run we do, maybe I can put a little more, maybe if I actually pay attention to what's happening like try to pay attention then maybe it would be a little more exciting for me you know but um i don't know maybe maybe some of that comes from like the really early touring days when you know we were playing to so few people like you know 10 12 years ago that maybe I'd, i i kind of just got in such a groove of just kind of like blanking out um because i don't know when you're when you're playing a show to freaking 10 people like those 10 people would be going crazy, but you're still kind of like, man, you know, (laughs) like this is, I need to put myself in a different mindset currently to not feel like an idiot. And, um, that, and that's a, that's a bad mindset to be in, but it, it being people know, like, that's just how it is sometimes. And that's how you feel in those moments, no matter how much you're like going ham on stage and having a good time. It's, it's also kind of has this like mental, like drain a little bit. And so maybe I just kind of got into that like groove of just like looking past the crowd, not paying attention, just like going all out. And then whatever happens out there happens out there. And that's how it is. Like if, if we do ever play a show to a few amount of people, like I'm still calling circle pits, I'm still calling wall deaths. No matter the crowd, I'm doing the exact same freaking thing. It doesn't matter if we're to 10,000 people or to a hundred people, I'm doing the exact same thing. And I have the exact same emotional response in that moment. And it's essentially like not really paying attention. And I don't know that that sounds terrible. Like if there's a big fan listening to this that saw the show and be like, Oh my God, the Browning was so interactive. The crowd was so sick and all this. And then they hear me be like, I wasn't paying attention. It sounds terrible, but like it's, I guess it's more so I'm focused on like exactly what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm acting, my stamina. uh, And then also just my day in my life in that moment, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot going on in my head while I'm up there. Um, and, but yeah, so I, I didn't have just that, like, wow, this is what I've been missing or wow. Like, I'm so excited to be playing shows again. This is so sick. Like, um, that didn't really happen. And it's also, there's maybe too much responsibility on me, like at all times, like I can't just enjoy the moment. So I'm up there thinking about, logistics and like how it's going to be to load out after the show and how quickly we need to leave so that I can get freaking four hours of sleep so I can drive the next day like maybe if a lot of that burden was kind of off of me maybe I could enjoy that moment more um which is where I feel like a lot of the stuff I've been talking about on this comes into play like I just want to be comfortable and I don't want to be trying to penny pinch because I don't want to be worried I just want to be out there and have a good time um and so, yeah, maybe maybe offloading more of that burden, which would also mean less money because um, it'd be hiring more people, you know, or having more expenses for comfortability. Like, it all just kind of, like, everything's a give and take. Like, oh, I don't want to have to be the one that has to drive every day or night, so I'm going to have to hire a driver. Like, okay, there's minus another $100 a day. Um, and then, oh, well... I just, you know, I don't want to have to tear down all of the lights and pack the trailer and do all this. I want to be out interacting with fans and everything. It's like, okay, so there's a stagehand and, uh, and a lighting person, so there's another $100 a day. So it's like, I don't know, it's, it's tough, man. It's a tough position to be in. It's like kind of how they talk about the middle class is one of the hardest to be in because, like, if you're super rich, you can afford everything and you don't care. If you're... Um, you know, in poverty level, then you get a lot of assistance and, uh, your cost of living isn't very high. And so you can kind of exist in that. If you're middle-class, you essentially have a lot of expenses and don't make enough money to pay for it. (laughs) And, um, that's kind of where I feel like, um, bands, our size are at and yeah, we can minimize expenses, but that means no sound guy, that means no light guy, that means no photographer, that means no hotels, that means cheaper vehicle, smaller vehicle, that means everything uncomfortable. <laughs> so it's a, it's a tough situation to figure out, but nonetheless, um, the I guess the, um, the best emotional part of the tour um, was talking to the fans afterwards there was a couple shows I was just too dead to go out. And that's just a realistic thing of how it is. Like, sorry if you came to the show, but like, um, and like, we didn't come out after, but like <laughs> we literally had multiple shows where people were in the back, uh, stage throwing up afterwards. Cause it was so hot and we're, you know, not in, not in this, like we used to be. <laughs> um, or like I didn't even eat until after our set some days. Cause I was so busy. All of us, there was days that we were so busy that we didn't literally, and I didn't want to eat like an hour before the set or something. So there was days I got off stage and I had freaking food sitting back there ready that we ordered before the set that I, I'm like, I have to eat right now or I might die from exhaustion. (laughs) And, um, so it's, um, you know, but talking to the fans, the nights that I did go out and talk and everything, like people were so stoked. And it was awesome to hear people talk about End of Existence um, in detail and what they liked about it, and you know how good it was to see the songs live and the meanings of everything. And so that was really beneficial. And also emotionally, like probably the best, best thing was uh, hanging out with my boys, like Cody. Like Cody is is. Probably the person I've spent the most time with in my life, realistically. Like, me and Cody, he's been in the band now for, I don't know, freaking eight years or something, nine years, probably nine. Um, And so he's probably the person I've been around more in my life, and I hadn't been around him in three years, you know? And then Kyle, our merch guy, he's been touring with the band now for five years, six years, something like that. And he's also, he's stayed with me over COVID too, like where he's one of my best friends. And so being around him and then also Keem and John, that was our first time being around each other and really good people. And we also had Sterling out there, our photographer. And so it was just nice being around these people, having fun, joking around like, we had responsibilities but not really like normal responsibilities so we were just out there having fun and uh that was to me the biggest benefit was just kind of out screwing around really you know joking all the time and yeah that was that was probably the best part of it and the thing that was the most enjoyable and You know, there was no stress. There was no fights, no arguments, no anything. Like, we were just out having a good time. And uh, a big part of that is because of how comfortable I wanted to make everything for everybody. And so, you know, if we were eating like crap and super uncomfortable the whole time, then yeah, things wouldn't be as easy. But my goal is to just be out there and have fun and, um, like, give something to the fans. And so, overall, um, all in all, I would say the tour was a major success. Um, just the, the numbers were freaking great. Like we could go play those markets again, get paid the exact same amount or a little bit more. Um, and we, oh, and the young medicine guys, they were really good. The band that was on tour with us, really good people that their music was great, super professional. They were on and off stage, just like boom, boom. They did their crap and they were really nice. No issues. Sometimes some of the bands you bring out, caused some freaking issues and so thank you young medicine for being <laughs> just perfect um and and also really talented and really good people so a uh, big shout out to that because having a really good support band is something that can like make or break a tour like we've been had some headlining tours where the support like made it a nightmare every day showing up Young medicine, not even close to that situation. So really good people, um, and really good band. So I appreciate that. And hanging out with them too is also awesome. And so, um, it was a success. It really was. And it was good seeing fans and it was good playing music. Um, I just wish that I had that, like, wow, I miss this. And wow, this is, um, better than ever feeling while on stage that's the only thing i wish and then obviously if we could be super comfortable and make a a ton of money then that'd be cool but you ain't ever gonna make a ton of money on a 10-day tour unless you are like rammstein or you know making ten thousand dollars a show but that's not happening um and so yeah i mean i can't complain but it definitely there it wasn't like a um no-brainer decision of after like i'm still kind of in my head of like what is the future of touring gonna be like for me um i don't know really (laughs) i mean i i know that we're gonna do more uh parts to the tour this was part one we're gonna do multiple short legs and so maybe after the next you know 10 day run i'll have like a i figured it out type deal um but this was a um an eye opener and definitely got my brain spinning on all sorts of things. And, um, again, have a ton of merch. Uh, that's going to be my profit from the tour and I'll get it in four months or something, but, uh, go pick up some merch, uh, the slash merch. Uh, just click on the link in there and, uh, pick up some merch that's left over from the tour. And, uh, the next thing we're doing in August, this is going to be probably a good amount of fun and, uh, you know, really chill. We're doing a festival up in Kentucky, so I'm just flying everyone up there. Me and my wife and my baby are driving up and um, spending a couple weeks um, working and camping out in Tennessee before. But so we're doing a, a one-off festival called Irate Fest, and so very excited for that. Um, it's with we're playing the Friday night with Impending Doom, Slaughter to Prevail. So it's gonna be heavy. It's gonna be pretty sick, and um, yeah. But that's my thoughts on it. Uh and I'm interested to do a couple more runs, but I got some thinking to do and, you know, some life decisions type deals. I would always play shows and I'm always gonna do tours, but like it, it didn't necessarily make me think like, okay, yeah, I need to do support tours, I need to be out for a month, I need to be out for five months out of the year. It did, definitely did not make me feel like that. Um, and that's kind of one thing I was trying to decide. So um basically I appreciate all the fans that come out. And I appreciate my friends that we are toured with um, and that are in the band and then Young Medicine becoming friends and being really chill. Appreciate all the promoters um, that brought us out after three years of not doing anything and paid us well and put on really good shows. Um, And yeah, on to the next one, right? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I appreciate you guys listening and I'm going to be doing podcasts a ton uh, I got a whole bunch of stuff going on with it because I feel like this I also this is another really good thing When I was talking to fans, I had so many people mention the podcast to me Like that's awesome. And so that's just another level of interaction and another level of um, you know being being there with the fans is doing this podcast Oh op- a, a bunch of bands like opening bands uh, Locals were talking to me about how they listen to the song review podcasts and so i'm bringing those back and then also how they thought the insights on some some of the podcasts with bands were just so beneficial to them, and so that was really good. I, I don't know how I forgot about that to mention in the positives, but that was awesome. So we're doing a bunch of podcasts every single week, keeping this full time and uh, getting to it like crazy. And so appreciate you guys here listening. Uh, got podcasts uploading every week. Go send a five star review on whatever you listen on. We're almost at a hundred reviews on Spotify and uh yeah go leave a five-star review and we'll see you guys on the next one peace out